0: Playoffs. We'll talk about them. playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs.
1: I love Jim Mora. But you know what, Bucks fans? It's still a possibility. Kind of a flickering light, but for the Buckos, it's still alive thanks to their recent win over the San Francisco 49ers. Welcome to PeterPires.com's podcast. A few extra bucks. I'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews, and of course Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great brews, great food, great service. We're going to bring in Justin Thomas, our esteemed producer, who has brought down some sound from a lively dirt cutter press conference recently. Uh, uh, you got everything rolling there, Justin.
2: I do. Isn't it weird too? I kind of forgot what it's like to win after all these losses. It's been
1: over a month. Yeah, that, that's that was definitely a lively locker room. As I bring in Roy Cummings, uh, Roy, you you've covered uh, a lot of Buccaneer games recently and and for years. Uh, you know, it, it's the amazing the. Uh, you know, when you don't have a win for a while, it's always good when you win. But I felt even a different kind of energy in that locker room Sunday after the Niners game.
3: Yeah, that's 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 really the um, I guess I wouldn't say amazing thing, but it is something that does stand out at you or jump out to you because it it's amazing when you walk into that locker room. I mean, we let's face it, Mike, we are used to walking into a Buccaneers locker room where there's a lot of, Hanging heads and guys not wanting to say much. And, um, you know, there is a different vibe when you win. And uh, it's, you know, look, I understand people are saying it's the 49ers. You know, what kind of a win was it? A win's a win in the NFL. And it takes the pressure off when you work all week for something and you finally get rewarded for it. And you play as really, let's face it, you play as well as the Buccaneers did. I don't care who the opponent was. Look at just what the Buccaneers did they played well in virtually every facet of the game. They played well. And when you do that, you have a right to feel good about yourselves. And uh, that's how you've heard that phrase before winning, uh, you know, breeds winning, losing breeds, losing. Well, this is why you go into that locker room after a Buccaneers win and you feel it. And guys like that feeling. And if if they can figure out a way to kind of carry that over into the week, work a little bit harder in practice work as efficiently in practice, and somehow then, when it really matters, carry it over into Sunday, maybe you pull out another win. That's how winning uh, leads to more winning. So, hey, uh, yes, it's a different atmosphere. It's a fun, much more fun atmosphere. Um, Guys, they they get that, and they don't want to lose it. So we'll see what happens uh, going forward, but this was a nice one.
1: Yeah, you could say it was the NFL's version of the toilet bowl, but that would be a cynical thing to say because of the struggles of both football teams. But I agree with you. You win in the NFL, especially with the team that I think checked off a lot of boxes against the San Francisco 49ers in terms of finally forcing a turnover. And then you had you know JPP, JCP Pierre Paul, getting double-digit sacks. That was nice to see for the first time since 2005. Uh, the defense had another solid effort. And then, of course, you had Jameis Winston. who boy... Did anybody need a clean game more in the NFL than Jameis Winston? No turnovers. Obviously his best game of the year, over 300 yards passing and a couple touchdown passes. Um, here's what Dirk Hutter said about a clean game for
0: Jameis Winston. I thought he made really good decisions. He made decisive decisions. He didn't He didn't hold it too long. And, you know, he didn't wait for plays to develop that might happen you know, uh, as time went on, he took he took the sure thing when it was there, and uh, then he also did an excellent job. Jameis also did an excellent job on scramble plays, making decisions outside the pocket whether to whether to throw or run.
1: I wonder how many times on Sunday, Roy, Jameis Winston kind of uh, took some drop back steps and thought, "Uh, uh better not do that." You know, I, the old me would have done that. I can't do that. I mean, I know things are moving fast. But I would love to have read his mind so many times on that football field Sunday.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I felt the same way. Um, but you know what? We've seen this before from Jameis Winston, and I mean that in a good way. You know, you go back to his first year when he threw ten interceptions or, or whatever it was in his first three, four, or five games, and then the second year where he kind of went through another uh, stretch like that where he had a lot of turnovers, and then just recently this this stretch where he had too many turnovers in, in too few games. He has an ability to virtually flip a switch and in essence say to himself, okay, you know what? I can't do that anymore. I've got to be better than that. And he goes out and he he is better than that. And he's better than that for, you know, two, three, four weeks. And then he kind of falls back in to his old pattern of trying to do a little bit too much. The key, I think, for Jameis Winston becoming the winning quarterback, um, he's a good quarterback. He's an effective quarterback. But the key to him becoming a good winning, winning quarterback, is continuing to play games like he did this week, where his mindset is play hard, take your chances when they're there, but don't force the ball where a mistake is is waiting to happen. So that's what he did. He knows he can do it. He, this this is what the people who are ready, too soon to give up on James Winston, so ready to give up on James Winston, don't realize. He's capable of games like this. We've seen this before. We've seen him correct this, this turnover pattern of his. And... All he has to do to do it is just concentrate on don't throw the ball away. Don't throw – and, and what I mean throw it away, don't throw it to the other team. Be smart enough to make the right decision in the right moment and make it quickly and decisively. He can do it. This is proof of it. Well,
1: another thing we see from Jameis Winston-Roy is you always have the positive followed up by the negative often. And the negative this week, obviously the breaking news this week, is he settled his case – with the Uber driver, this is finally behind him. I thought this could have been handled a lot better. Obviously, he got rid of his agent, um, but but just talk about you know your your thoughts on on how this was handled because I thought it could have been a lot smoother from Jameis Winston um, on a lot of fronts.
3: Yeah, it could have been, and you know I think a lot of us would have wanted to see him say a little bit more uh, about the situation way back when he first started talking about it when he came back to the team, but he couldn't because because this was looming. There was, a, there was always going to be a settlement there <clears throat> of some kind, and that's what Jameis Winston had to wait for. I don't think he'll say anything from this point on about it either. He'll put this behind him, and that's not a bad thing either. Um, in essence, right now, this particular situation is clearly in the past. It's, cle- it's cleared the slate for him, um, and it's time to start over. All right? How are you from this point on? If he can be clean, not just on the field, but off the field, from this point on, then there's absolutely every reason in the world to think James Winston can still become a franchise quarterback. Um, This is a good moment for him. It, it, It clears the slate and allows him to truly start over again with a new clean slate. And if it's with a new coach next year, you know what? Maybe all the better. We'll see. But... From his standpoint, clean slate, moving forward, let's see how long he can keep it clean. That's the key.
1: And that's exactly why you play him the rest of the season, to see if he can A, or you hope he stays clean off the field, but more importantly, if he can build off this game Sunday. I know you know a win is a win in the NFL, but that wasn't the best team. I think Carolina is the perfect test coming up, but he's going to have the Saints. He's going to have some good teams. This is exactly why you got to play him the rest of the year.
3: Yeah, I agree with you, and here's the thing. A lot of people that were ready to give up on Jameis Winston didn't think the game he had last Sunday was in it, Okay, They didn't think he had that in him. Um, the key now is to prove to everybody that you've got four, five, six of those in you in a row. Uh, that's all he can do at this point is play the next one and then the one after that and the one after that. Um, he's not going to play perfect football, and people can't expect him to play perfect football. But he can play good, sound, decisive football, and that's what he has to do. He didn't become a game manager on Sunday. He made the long throws when he had to. Uh, he made good throws when he had to. Uh, he took a couple of chances here and there, and he took through a couple of passes that were, you know, that, that had you, you know, tensing up a little bit. But you know what? He threaded the needle because he's capable. So yeah, uh, th- th- this is uh, this is what we need to see from. Him, and you're absolutely right. This is why he needs to play the rest of the season.
1: All right. We do multiple podcasts per week. And what I love about Roy Cummings is I never really tell him what we're going to talk about. It's a freelance podcast. I think it's looser that way. Uh, we can disagree sometimes. We don't expect to maybe agree. We usually agree more than disagree. But we're going to start a new segment. We'll have to get some music for this. But uh, Justin and I talked about this. but I didn't tell Roy because Roy always rolls with the punches. Um, it's called Studs and Duds. We're going to do this. You know, after we've kind of let the, the last Bucks game settle a little bit, let's begin with your studs. It could be how many, how many you want. It could be a number of guys on both sides of the ball. It could just be one if you're only happy with one guy. It could be whatever. But who are your studs from the last game, Roy? Wow.
3: Uh, you know what? There were, there were several. Um, I'll start with Jameis Winston. That's obvious. We've talked about him. But uh, in my opinion, clearly he was a stud. Uh, I would say Carl Nassib was a stud. Um, he's become a stud. He's pretty much been a stud since he came into, into Tampa and uh, joined the Buccaneers. Uh, this is a guy who is resurrecting his career right in front of our eyes and playing some darn good football, earning himself a contract and an opportunity to stick around and be the starting left end for the Buccaneers going into 2019. It uh, depends on the uh, defensive coordinator, I guess. But uh, uh, my guess is uh, that kid's earning himself a job somewhere. And uh, the way he's playing right now, I hope it's here because he was a stud for me. Um, and, and I'll tell you another stud, uh, a guy who had been a dud throughout most of the season. Uh, in fact, had been a flat-out dud all season, uh, Vitavea. Uh, the yep. kid came out, and, and I didn't see much in the first half. But uh, second half, he something happened. He figured something out. And it gives you a hope that uh, moving forward, uh, this kid's going to be a heck of a player. Here's a stud that a lot of people might not have noticed. Jordan Whitehead. Um, This guy's catching my eye a little bit. Uh, Safety, number 31. He's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, I like this kid in coverage. He's solid. Not great, not good, but solid right now. Um, But coming downhill against the run, I like this kid as a box safety. And he's making some plays. I'm going to put him in my stud category And one other stud, and I'll admit that I, I, you know, I give you, of course, I thought James Winston was under pressure all day. And, in fact, he was, and he did a tremendous job against pressure. If you look at the pro football focus numbers, I think his passer rating was 145 against uh, pressure. And uh, he was under pressure and uh, under siege all day long. Most of that, however, came from the interior. Uh, A a guy who, who gets beat up a lot. By the fans, uh, Donovan Smith had a tremendous day uh, as a pass protector in particular. Pretty good day as a run blocker as well, but as a pass protector, he was really strong. Uh, so I'm going to give him a stud as well. Um, didn't give up any pressures, didn't give up any QB hits. A uh, real good day for Donovan Smith. And I think he continues to get better every week.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that is why Roy Cummings can hit anything I throw to him. It could be a knuckler, a curveball, a slider. Knocked them all out of the park. All right, Justin, who were your studs?
2: Man, I'm embarrassed because I did all this preparation. I got some stats, and I still feel like Roy's was better than mine. <laughs> no way. No. I, uh, mine are more simple. I, first, I got to go with Cairo Santos. Second week in a row that he's hit everything perfectly. When's the last time you could say that about a Bucks kicker when they've been perfect? Um. My second stud, Peyton Barber, he, he didn't have the best game on paper, but when you look what he's done the last uh, five games compared to the first six games of the season, first six games of the season he only had 260 yards total, zero touchdowns running, uh, 3.5 yards per carry on 74 carries. And then the last five games, He's upped it to 330 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, 4.1 yards per carry on almost the same amount of carries. So I, I think the running game all year, we've been talking about it, but it definitely seems like something's starting to happen. I think Peyton Barber's getting a lot of hard, you know, tough yardage. Let's see. And my last stud is uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, this guy, he's tied for fifth in the league with 10 and a half sacks. I feel like for all year, he's been one of the bright spots on defenses and probably the best pickup in the off season. So, gonna go with them three.
1: Well, good research on your part. Uh, you know, for my studs, I agree. Uh, Jason Pierre Paul to me has really held this defense together in a lot of ways. We saw it in the preseason how he played hard every snap, whether it was in practice or a game, has carried that over, and that's a streak. You know, this, Roy. It's it's amazing they haven't had double digit sacks since two thousand and five. I mean that's a long time, thirteen years to not have that. Really unprecedented when you look around the league. So it's good to see him get that, and he's only going to build off of that. I like Santos. Um, I also like uh, Peyton Barber as well. But I've been hard on Jameis Winston. And I agree with Roy. I don't think a lot of people thought he had that game in him. There's been a lot of pressure on Jameis Winston. He had to have felt that pressure going in. So, Jameis, you know what? I've been hard on you, but I'm going to give credit where credit's due. No interceptions. 29-38, to that's really efficient. And uh, the numbers were good. So, now we go back to Roy for the duds.
3: You know, usually there's a team of duds, an entire an army of them from the Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit tougher to find them in this game. Yeah. But uh, I'll start with an obvious one. Caleb Beninat, the right guard, who I think he lost his job this week, finally. Uh, Alex Kappa was up, uh, had a helmet on Sunday, and got into the game uh, about midway through. Uh, wasn't overly impressive, in my opinion. In fact, I, I would almost tend to give Alex Kappa a dud, dud grade, except it was his first game, and, and I think he was a little bit overwhelmed at first, but he, he caught up. Um eventually. Uh, but Caleb Beninok was an absolute, he was a dud again. And we may have seen the last of Caleb Beninok, Um perhaps even with the Buccaneers uh, overall. Um, I say that because I don't I'm not sure what his contract situation is, but at this point he's a guy who could get cut. Uh, I don't know if, if I don't know if you want him around, even as a backup at this point, you may feel that, you know, he helps you depth wise, but I would say maybe not. So, we may have seen the last of Caleb Benenock, So that's a dud for me. Um, another dud on the offensive side of the ball, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, I think the guy's quit. I don't think he's interested. I understand he had a bad thumb, okay? And he's getting that taken look, take a look at. But the first ball of the game went to him. He couldn't hold on to it. Might have been the thumb there. Who, who knows? Maybe he injured it again on that play because he wasn't any good the rest of the day, in my opinion. Um, you know, there was a long pass to Deshaun Jackson down the field. It was supposed to be a post pattern, and a post pattern, the quarterback's job is to throw to the post, the post being the goal posts, right? The, and and in the, nowadays, it's the, the center upright, the, the thing that holds the whole thing up, right? That's yeah. where the quarterback's supposed to throw the ball. The job of the receiver is to head for that spot. Well, Deshaun Jackson didn't head for that spot, and that's why that pass didn't get caught. It's pretty hard to overthrow Deshaun Jackson, um, but somehow Jameis Winston finds a way. And I'm not so sure that it's Jameis Winston's fault. Uh, I I think that for the last two years, Deshaun Jackson has been collecting a paycheck for this club. Um, I don't think he's been too interested in playing here. You know, people talk about Deshaun Jackson's chemistry with the quarterback, with Jameis Winston, and and his chemistry with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, Jameis Winston doesn't seem to have any problem at all. His chemistry with Cameron Bray, Mike Evans, uh... Adam Humphreys, uh, Chris Godwin seems exceptional. He's even got a chemistry. James Winston, he's got a chemistry with the other team. He doesn't have one with Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> so, Who's the outlier here? I think it's Deshaun Jackson. So a dud for him and a dud on the defensive side, Brent Grimes. Um, it was interesting that as I was walking in the locker room on Sunday, guys, I saw two guys – come out and and this is as soon as the locker room opened up two guys came as the media is going in the wonder i was a little bit behind the the crowd as the media is going in the far door the near door in the locker room two guys are coming out of it deshaun jackson and my and my third dud brent grimes i think brent grimes has quit um i don't think he's interested in playing football much anymore he doesn't mind covering guys i think he still gets a bit of a kick out of that now and then He's got no interest in tackling anybody. He didn't this past Sunday. That's for darn sure. He ran up short of tackles, uh, tackle situations when uh, uh, another body was needed to make sure that another yard wasn't gained. Um, He jumped out of the way of a couple of tackles. Um, He had no interest. Uh, He finished the game with three tackles. I think somebody kicked him in the ass and said, hey, if you want to keep earning that paycheck, get your butt out there and uh, finish off the game the right way. Um, but he had no interest for about three quarters of that game in playing uh, football so uh, he would be my third dud
1: wow that's very comprehensive you know i'm not going to tell you about any future segments because you're 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 killing us here Uh, (laughs) in a good way uh justin
2: uh first uh, first i'm going to reiterate what Roy said, uh, Deshaun Jackson was my first one. And to just further illustrate how much I also believe he's quit on the team, he has 750 yards total this season. The last six games, guys, he only has 249 yards. That's insane. Huh. It's like all of a sudden he just went off a cliff. Uh, he has the same amount of touchdowns as Chris Godwin, Adam Humphreys, Cam Bray with four I just think, like Roy said, he he's given up. It almost seems like around the time, a couple weeks ago, when rumors started coming out, you know, if he was going to be traded him kind of speaking out, it seems like that's when he decided to just not care anymore. Uh, my last two are kind of nitpicky. Uh, I'm going to go with the run defense. I, I think the defensive line was great. They got a lot of pressure on the QB, four sacks, I believe, a lot of tackles for a loss. But they also gave up 148 yards on the ground to a team that was playing from behind the whole game. So uh, that's kind of something you might want to look into. And then my last one uh, is fan attendance. I don't know if y'all heard, but uh, this was the lowest attended game since 2010. I think it was about 40,300 and some fans showed up. And uh, I understand that the bucks are bad and that tickets can be kind of pricey, but uh, you hate to see that. You know, little people show up to a game for
1: the Bucks. Yeah, and I'll say this: not only was it the worst in in eight years, I guess, but it, the uh, TV ratings, Roy and Justin, were lower for the Bucks than the USF UCF game. And and I don't, I don't track those numbers all the time, but and I know UCF's a strong team this year, uh, but that's pretty pathetic, Roy, in a lot of ways.
3: Yeah, it really is. It's a good one, Justin. You were right on the mark with that. Um, and the, I, although I'll say this, I can't blame the fans. No, they're fed up with this. They've been seeing it for a long time. Look, I said at the beginning of the year, you know, I thought this offense alone um, was worth the price of admission. Uh, I'm not so sure it is anymore because everything else around it with the Buccaneers just seems so toxic. You know, they're going to – we're pretty sure they're going to fire the coach. They may change regimes again. You know, it it was a beautiful day Sunday. Maybe it was just everybody thought it was a day to do something else. But it's pretty – look – Tampa, you know, it, rare is the, is the weekend when USF, I don't care who they're playing, outdraws the Buccaneers. But it happened this weekend. And you know what? Going into the game on Sunday, uh, driving up to the stadium, I, that hit me. I thought, you know what? This is going to be a week when USF is going to outdraw the Bucs because I knew they wouldn't get any more than about 45,000 for that game. And uh, because the, the opponent isn't a team that, that knows, travels well, so to speak, certainly from San Francisco to Tampa. You know, had, had it been the Packers or the Bears or somebody like that, um, a New York team, the Jets or Giants, um, they, you know, they might have had 58, 60,000 there. But um, with a team like San Francisco, two and nine coming in, not a chance. And uh, it's sad. It really is. It, it, it's, it's something we could talk about in future uh, podcasts about just how sad the situation is here regarding the fan base. It's, it's so turned off. It's, uh, it's remarkable.
1: Well, you guys touched them all pretty much. Uh, I agree with uh, everything you've said, but let's make it unanimous. Uh, Djax is a dud on so many levels. The first guy off the field, you know, we were waiting there outside the locker room. First guy off the field couldn't get off the field fast enough. And oh, by the way, it was a victory. Djax. He just didn't seem like he had any uh, celebratory bone in his body walking off that field. And by the way, Grimes was right behind him in the locker room. There, I just think. You know, if he is hurt, I don't wish injury on anybody. But let's just say he's hurt and it's prolonged. He had to get a second opinion on his thumb in New York. If he's not in the mix down the stretch and and Jameis's numbers improve and improve and improve and he feels more and more comfortable out there, I don't think it's any coincidence at all. But here's what Dirk Cutter said defending his uh, beleaguered wide receiver.
0: We just flat missed him five times. I mean, uh, one of those was a was a tough over-the-top shot that Jameis overthrew, but uh, there was four other times that uh, Deshaun was open, and we just missed him. And Jameis, you know, we didn't miss very many throws yesterday, but uh, the ones we didn't miss, unfortunately, were, were mostly to Deshaun. I
1: think he's being politically correct, Roy.
0: Yeah, I think he is a little bit,
3: and here's why. Look, uh, go back to two years ago when Deshaun Jackson first got here. He didn't show up at OTAs. Um, he showed up in the mandatory mini camp because it was mandatory. Uh, he showed up for training camp and he was wearing crib notes in his socks because he didn't know the plays. And Todd Munkin basically told him, "You know, you wouldn't have to carry pull that stupid piece of paper out of your socks and ask me what the play is if you'd been here during OTAs." You know, he wasn't interested. And I, I guess he spent a little bit more time here this year trying to get to know Jameis Winston and everything else. And then James got suspended. and He decided that Fitzpatrick was his guy. You know, it just look. It's been a bad marriage from the beginning. Uh, if I were the Buccaneers at this point, this is, my point is, in, this is on Deshaun Jackson. As I said earlier, James Winston has a tremendous chemistry with every other wide receiver on this team. Why is it that he doesn't have a, a good chemistry with Deshaun Jackson? What's the difference there? I think the difference is. Deshaun Jackson, in my opinion, just my opinion, doesn't bust his ass during practice or any other time to make that relationship better. I don't think he's working at it the way everybody else has worked at it. And you do have guys who are working at it. Mike Evans works his butt off every day to be the player that he is. Adam Humphreys had to work his butt off just to get on the team and to get passes. Chris Godwin is working his butt off because he knows I'm going to be standing on the sidelines with all this talent around me if I don't show that I'm a good player. So Cameron Brate busting his ass uh, even harder, uh, first just to make it in the NFL, then just to stick around in the NFL, then to stick around and be uh, relevant after the team goes out and makes O.J. Howard the 11th overall pick in the draft. So here's a, here, here are four guys who are constantly working on their relationship and their chemistry with Jameis Winston, the guy who I don't see working on it constantly and consistently, is Deshaun Jackson. And if I were the Buccaneers, uh, I'd be taking a look at uh, you know guys like Reedy, Freddie Martino, those types, saying, "All right, what else can I find out there in terms of uh, players?" And I, I, I would tell, I, I would, I would just tell Deshaun, you know what, we're good, we're good.
1: You know, I always like your perspective because you've been around this. Uh Franchise a long time. Uh, you know, D. Sean is kind of like Keyshawn, and they're both Mishons. You covered <laughs> Keyshawn johnson and uh, obviously you're covering Deshawn Jackson now. Um, I love dealing with Keyshawn from a media standpoint. I don't know if I want to be his teammate, but do you see any
3: parallels there at all? Oh, God, you're absolutely right. The only difference is that Deshawn Deshaun doesn't talk the way Keyshawn did. Yeah, uh, yeah. Keyshawn never shut the hell up, and it was always about him. Uh, Deshaun never says a word, but it's always about him. So it's it's pretty sad uh, that it's come to that. But you know what? You're right. Um, he's he's a diva on a team that really doesn't have a bunch of divas at receiver. Mike Evans right. isn't a diva. I mean, he's no. not. You ask Mike no. Evans if he if, if you call Mike Evans a diva, he might slap you. He'd be yeah. he'd be furious if you called him that. And I like that about Mike, Mike. Evans.
1: Yeah, you know, Mike Evans talks win or lose. If, you know, Deshaun Jackson, you never know when the hell he's going to talk during the week, after a game, after a win, after a loss. Mike Evans is always in there, and he's feisty on the field, too. Doesn't take any crap from anybody. I mean, I love so much much about Mike Evans, and also the whole, you know, Jameis debacle in New Orleans last year. Mike Evans just thought his quarterback was getting picked on. He wasn't being a punk or anything. He was sticking up for his teammates, so – yeah, I agree. All right, let's shift gears before we get to three and out. Um, we, we had fun with Jim Moore's infamous playoffs rant at the beginning of the podcast. But here was Dirk Cutter on the possibility of the Buccos making the playoffs with a big win against San Francisco and a potential uh, streak down
0: the stretch. It's a week to week league. And, you know, we had a good week. We played well in all phases. And, you know, Carolina this week brings a, a whole new set of challenges.
1: Again, didn't mention the word playoffs, but what do you think, Roy? You got one, two, three, four, five games left.
3: Yeah, uh, look, they're not out of it. Um, I think I don't think they'll be favored in any of these five games going forward. Certainly not this week, despite the. But you know what? They're playing at home. They got a little bit of confidence now. Quarterback figured something out. Uh, a couple of guys on defense that hadn't been showing up are starting to show up a little bit more. Uh, they're still a beat-up football team. You know, They're still missing some of their best players, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Um, it, 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 the, 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 the chips are way stacked against them. But, and you guys know this because you guys are close followers of the uh, Saints, there were a couple years in a row there where the Saints were one team in one half and another team in another half. It's quite possible the Bucs are the same. If the Bucs can somehow be a real strong second-half team and – upset carolina this weekend all of a sudden that momentum starts to build uh atlanta's beatable the saints they've beaten them once on the road they can certainly beat them here Uh, at baltimore winnable game I, i don't see anything dallas winnable game i don't see any of the games going forward that where again i don't see them being favored but i also don't say that you know they're 14-point underdogs either. I think they're all games that they can win if they play the kind of football they played this past week.
1: Love it. Yeah, anything can happen in the NFL. I just think it's too little too late. I would have liked to have seen them uh, win the Redskins game, win the Giants game. Then they don't have to win out. If they win those games, there's a little more wiggle room, especially when you look at the watered-down NFC with teams like the Packers and the Redskins and the Giants and some of those teams struggling this year. So. I think it's a little too late for the buckers, but it's never too late for this Justin.
3: You're absolutely right.
1: Man, I can't get enough of that three and out three questions. And we are out. We threw the studs and the duds at Roy knocked them both out of the park. Um, three questions. We don't know what's coming. The last one you guys are really going to love, but let me throw out the first one. Um, we have five games left. Who was your Bucks MVP this season, guys? I have two candidates. Is it uh, Jason Pierre-Paul or is it Mike Evans?
3: It's Mike Evans. Or
1: you can throw somebody else in if you
3: want to. It's Mike Evans for me. Uh, I mean, it was the, really the first guy that came to my mind. Um, the reason being that, look, the Buccaneers have, uh, you know, arguably one of the best three offenses in the NFL. Depending on which week it is, they're – you know, leading the league in total offense, second in the league in total points, uh, you know, go on down the line, uh, lead the league in passing. Um, and that's in great part because of Mike Evans. Uh, the defense has been one of the worst. I hate to say it guys, but I wrote it on Sunday in my uh, wrap up of the Bucks win. Um, I'm happy for Jason Pierre, Paul love what he did for this team this year, but I'm not sure I've ever seen a more empty stat than his 10 sacks. Uh, Doesn't make a darn bit of difference. It all shows you is that you can still have the worst. You can have 10 sacks and still be a member of the worst defense in the NFL and arguably one of the worst defenses in NFL history.
1: Justin.
2: I agree. Uh, (laughs) I think uh, Mike Evans, I mean, y'all said it all, this whole podcast, the way he plays, that he really goes out there, gives it his best. I think he's a great person. What he's done, you know, you got to go with Mike Evans.
1: I'm going to go contrarian. I love Mike Evans. I love everything about him. I love his attitude on and off the field. But I think this uh, Bucks defense, and I agree with you, Roy, a lot of the sacks, it's kind of misleading. But what I like about Jason Pierre-Paul is he always says he's kind of that leader by example. He's been leader by example in his play, but he's also been a vocal guy. I remember him on the sidelines when they were getting tormented by the Bears, kind of lighting up the guys on the sideline. I like the fact that he got hurt against the Niners, was right back out there. He's been banged up for weeks now. All these defensive linemen are banged up for weeks. So I'm going to go contrarian on this one. I like Jason Pierre-Paul by the way he plays. And I think if they can uh, shore up the linebacking core, maybe get Beckwith back next year, Quan Alexander back in the fold, David, all those guys play like they normally can, and you get maybe a free agent corner and Hargraves bounces back, I love having Jason Pierre-Paul as kind of the heartbeat of that Bucks defense because, you know, Gerald McCoy is a different kind of leader. I think Jason Pierre-Paul is the kind of leader they've needed for a long time out there. All right, one of my favorite topics is overtime. I hate ties. Finally, the NHL shored that up a few seasons ago by doing a shootout. But I hate ties in the NFL. We've had two of them this year. I'm watching that crazy LSU-Texas A&M game. You know, seven overtimes. You know, you score over 70 points and you lose a football game. Terrible officiating in the game. And I'm not a blame the officials guy. But should the NFL adopt college football's overtime? What do you think, Roy?
3: I I don't think so. Um, I think the NFL is better than that. And I would just play until you have a winner. Um, If you've gone 15 minutes, you know, just start another quarter and, you know, sudden death. First team to score. I don't care how you score. It's, you know, I like the rules as they are now. But if you ha- if you've had a quarter of, I mean, where's any, where's anybody going? The reason the NHL has changed its overtime uh, is because uh, teams have to travel. Sometimes they have back-to-back games. Sometimes they're playing three games in four nights or two and three nights. Um, they have to travel. They have to be somewhere. Uh, the NFL, you're not going anywhere. You've got until you know. At, at worst, you've got until Thursday night you know, you'll be fine. They'll be able to get, uh, I I think they should just play until somebody wins. Justin, what do you think?
2: I have to agree. I I remember 2009 in the postseason, everyone was upset with the way the Saints-Vikings game went. So they changed the rules on that. And then earlier this year, there was the shootout in Atlanta that went to overtime. Saints got the coin toss, went down the field immediately, scored a touchdown, and so then people were complaining they need to change it again. I just feel like people don't want to consider defenses anymore. I mean, if the other team wants to win, they need to stop them, and so I agree with, like Roy said, go till the clock ends. Whoever has the most points wins.
1: Well, I think if you go to the college format, you can't include the stats. The Take the stats out, because that's ridiculous and it disrespects you know, touchdown passes from previous generations. I I love the college format. I love the fact that after, you know, if you have to go for two and all that and the way the NFL offenses are played, I think that would be highly entertaining. And I will say, I like Roy's point that you keep playing. I can't stand the NFL overtime. I'm glad they finally made it where you, you you know, they kind of adjusted if you can't just kick a field goal and win it and all that. But I would like to see it. I think it's highly entertaining, college football. I mean, it's such an outlier with the uh, LSU game and Texas A&M, especially man, some of those calls. I, again, I'm not a big blame the officials guy, but, man, some of those calls were just brutal. And I, and I felt for LSU, and I had no dog in the fight. So I frankly would like to see it, but I think they still got to tweak the NFL system and make it more like the college. Maybe not all the way, but maybe halfway or something. So, All right, you guys are going to love this. Um <laughs> Do you know who's in Tampa this week? Um, he may be at tonight. He may be. I'm not sure if he's tonight, but he, Elton John is in Tampa this week. Should have flown oh. Justin in for a a Roy Justin Elton John love fest. And I could just sit in the car and listen to my Billy Joel's greatest hits.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but Elton John's in town, so I thought because we had the poll earlier this season, who's better, Elton John or Billy Joel? You guys said Elton John. I said Billy Joel. What's your favorite Elton John song? Someone
3: saved my life tonight. No hesitation. No hesitation wow. whatsoever.
2: That was pretty quick. <laughs> no hesitation
3: wow. whatsoever.
2: Wow. Justin. Oh, man.
3: Oh. I'll give Justin a little bit of time here. You know, goodbye <laughs> Elbrick Road is pretty good, too. You know,
2: <laughs> Which one? Oh, yeah, goodbye Elbrick Road is good.
3: But, you know, that's, that's where I'm at right there.
2: You know I- – This is going to be cliche, but it's probably one of the first songs I remember hearing by him. And I just, something about it, I really like it. Um, I think right now, off the top of my head, I'm going to go with Rocket Man. It's like his signature song. You can't say that's wrong. No, but it's a little cliche. I just, you know, I I love all his music, but something about that song, anytime it comes on, it's like a good movie. Anytime it comes on, you got to listen to the whole thing.
3: Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. I like Roy's filibuster
1: for Justin. That was very nice, Roy. I wanted to give
3: that him was, a little bit of time to think it over, you know?
1: That's good stuff. Man. That's the way the government should work. We're all brothers, man. We all got to work together. Exactly. Um, my my favorite song, I'm going to bring this whole thing full circle. It also encompasses the theme of the Bucks right now. I'm still standing. Mm. <laughs> very good. How about that? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, listen, from uh, studs and duds to Elton John, uh, that wraps up another few extra bucks here on PeterPyrus.com. Remember, subscribe to PeterPyrus.com. It's absolutely free. We'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great, great beers, great food, great service. For our producer, Justin Thomas. For our Buccaneer Insider, Roy Cummings, I am merely Mike Neighbors. We will talk to you later this week. Thanks for logging on.